Welcome in to 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Creaseman, and as always, I'm excited to be talking Colorado Rockies baseball with you here today. And you know what? I've decided it is, in fact, officially that time. And today we discuss the reverse standings. Uh, not always the most fun thing to talk about if you're one of those people that just enjoys watching your team and, and hoping that they win the ball game. Uh, but it is an interesting conversation as we move forward to take a look at where the Rockies might end up in terms of the reverse standings, draft positioning, how much of that matters and how much of it makes sense and, and to what extent you can really manipulate that, right? So we'll get into that conversation today. Before we get there, I wanted to begin by sharing an analogy with everybody that I don't know if this is going to help all of you, but it certainly helped all of me to, to come to a certain clarity about how I feel about this team and and the kind of ground that I'm trying to walk here and and, and why I, I think, you know, there's this sort of shared sense of frustration in a lot of ways, but then there's a lot of clashing, right? And and, and difficult times understanding each other, I feel like, in, in this community. And so I figured out what it is because I was in another community where, where I spend a great deal of time with the nerds uh, talking about all kinds of things. And those of you that know, and don't worry, I'm not going to go too far down this path. If you're not a big Game of Thrones person, don't worry. I'm, I'm going to try really hard not to lose you here. But there's a new Game of Thrones show coming out. And so, you know, talking with a lot of people, of course, one thing, everybody, whether you watch the show or not, right, you know that most people hated the final season of Game of Thrones. And I'm someone who found it very, very disappointing, right? Right. So you can probably see where this analogy is going. But most specifically, I found that really across the board, the, the basic premise of, I agree with the consensus about the final season of Game of Thrones, which is bad, kind of embarrassing in certain ways, and unnecessarily bad, unforced, should not have been that way did not need to be that way. And you can cross-apply exactly all of those words to the Colorado Rockies. The general consensus. Bad. Forced bad. Unnecessarily bad. Did not need to be this way. Right? And a lot of unjustifiable decisions across the board. Right? But I find where I differ from the consensus is is where a lot of this conversation comes up. And unfortunately, in kind of both communities, it can be difficult to have the conversation without it turning into an argument or a fight or a, a screaming match of some kind. Because well, I'm not entirely sure what the, what the because is there, and I'm not going to get too deep on that. But essentially... Where I agree with the consensus that, yes, thing bad, not good, and kind of embarrassing, I disagree with a lot of the specifics, right? Once we actually start talking about, well, why is it bad? And people go, well, you know, $50 million to the St. Louis Cardinals. And I go, well, that actually wasn't as bad as that. Well, they didn't get anything for Trevor Story. And I go, well, actually, so, and, and it's that phrase, right? I, be, I, I become that guy. Well, actually... 
You know, same thing in Game of Thrones, by the way. Character X never should have done... Well, I go, well, actually, <laughs> that part I get, you know. And that's, that's maybe a common phrase that I find myself saying in both communities. Well, that part I get. I, I kind of get why they didn't trade Trevor's story. You know, I, I really don't think that they had an offer on the table that was ultimately going to be better than the prospect they ended up drafting. You know, I, I mentioned the $50 million. I, I bring that one up a lot as a, basically as an example, right? Because it sticks out to a lot of people and it seems to be the big thing. And so in, in both cases, there's these specifics that I end up being a stick in the mud about because I'm like, well, I don't feel like that quite tracks. And then there's the level of the conversation, right? The tenor of it, the the vitriol, the the extreme emotions on the side of the people who are angry that the thing is bad, something we we all agree on, or at least most of us agree on. And then when we do try to get into the weeds about the specifics, again, it, it's that level of just emotion and energy that is very difficult to contend with and so yeah for, for me I feel very much the same about the Colorado Rockies as I do about Game of Thrones season 8 bad unjustifiable embarrassing frustrating all of those words and yet there are still some things I look at there and go yeah but this was actually pretty good and I did enjoy this part and no, it's not true that everything was terrible or like one of the things people do and this is very similar too is they'll say, well, the end of it was so bad I retroactively hate that that entire show and I can't even watch any of it ever now. The entire show is completely ruined because of six episodes at the end, right? And, and there's a similar thing to me that's going on right now. Essentially, the Rockies have been so bad these last couple of years and they were so bad at blowing the Nolan Arenado era and all of that stuff and whatever they've said in the aftermath. All of this has been so bad that to hell with the entire franchise, to hell with the entire organization, and to hell with my entire fandom. And you certainly have that right, right? I mean, if people want to do that, that is there's 100%, of course, their prerogative. But again, that's where I find myself feeling like I just can't quite get into that mindset. You know what I mean? Like, there's so much more than just those couple of years for the team or, or just that one season for the show or in any given year there's so much to dive into and look at and enjoy and have fun with like the entire Joshua Fuentes saga was a whole lot of fun it didn't really go anywhere the team didn't win any while he was there but that was a remarkable story it was a great deal of fun and you know it's over now but it was cool while it lasted. Things like that. So, and maybe that's just me being a romantic at heart. Maybe that's me not being critical enough. And, and it, what's funny is people say the same thing about the TV shows. It's like, oh, you're just letting them get away with it. They take advantage of fans like you. They say the same thing in sports. And it's just like, man, sometimes it's just okay to, even in the dark times, even in the bad thing, again, the thing we all agree is bad to find the part of it that you can take some good out of to to 
find some enjoyment in and just say, yeah, I'm going to discard all the rest of that. I'm going to focus on this one thing for now. And, you know, there, as much as there's you know, reason to be angry, there's no need to be. Fine distinction, but an important one, I feel. So anyway, wanted to share that analogy with all of you. Uh, again, that maybe was just for me. I hope some of you got something out of that. But at the very least, that sort of clicked in my head that those were very similar style existences where, you know, as soon as I start getting into the weeds, someone will then accuse me. Oh, you thought season eight was phenomenal. You, you just let the showrunners do whatever they want. And you just it's like it's the same thing here. Right. Oh, apologist for the Rockies. You love Dick Monfort. You carry his water. And it's just like, no, none of that. No, talking about, you know, sort of nuanced in-between things doesn't mean that the big idea changes. Where, you know, was it Aristotle who said the sign of an intelligent mind is being able to entertain a thought without converting to it or without holding it, right? To be able to simply sit and think and converse, it's okay. It's a baseball team. Anyway, so I'm going to talk about all that. Let's get into the reverse standing stuff. Um, I, I want to begin by pointing you toward this website, uh, tankathon.com slash MLB. You know, obviously they've, they've got it for each sport. As most of you know, if you've been listening to me for a while or, or reading anything, if you're generally aware of my take on any of this, you know I hate tanking. Um but what does that mean? I was having a really interesting conversation about this uh, with a friend of mine just a night or two ago. Um, it was just, yeah, two nights ago. And um, we were talking about how there's a huge difference between the team that kind of this t time of year, and he's more of an NBA guy, but he's, you know, saying later in the season, when you're really truly out of it, and that draft pick obviously matters much more in the NBA, it's like, yeah, rest your veterans, play your young guys, uh, you know, maybe anybody that's hurt even a little bit, don't play them whatsoever. And I was like, that I'm 100% okay with. Like, I've never been against that. Uh, and, and if that is, you know, what we consider tanking, uh, maybe it's light tanking, we got to come up with different words for that. What I am against is the prolonged multi-year strategy that encompasses going into three, maybe four seasons in a row with the intent to lose starting day one, right? And, and that you do it, again, for several years at a time. It's basically what the Astros and Cubs did that everyone, you know, applauded once they won the big one, but there are plenty of teams that have done it and, and I list them off every time that just stay forever rebuilding, right? That's the strategy that I'm against. So, as we sit here in mid to now late August, right, 19th, we've got the Rockies at 51 and 69. Well, well out of it. Seventh worst record in baseball. Or in other words, they are in seventh place in the reverse standings. Right, but let's back it up just a little bit. Let's take a look at all the teams who are under 500 really quick so we can get a sense of the landscape. Well, let's start right at 500. San Francisco Giants are right at 500, 59 and 59. 
what a fall from grace that turned out to be. What a weird story it was that they won 100 games last year and, and did that. And, you know, I, I thought there was a decent chance this would happen, but I wasn't going to go out and say for sure, you know, that the team that won 100 games last year was going to not be in the postseason picture. But it was so bizarre to begin with, and here they are. So pretty wild, but there starts your your kind of breaking point between the 500 teams and the not, right? So below them, here's another interesting one. Boston is one game under 500. Uh, pretty far out of the postseason picture there. Very, very unlikely to make it. They look more likely to be stuck in middle ground. Uh, that's a team that made a bunch of big signings the last couple of years. Of course, you know, Trevor's story gone out there. And, uh, you know, he's really not been great with the bat at all. And so they're kind of stuck in the mire. You've got Arizona just ahead of them. Uh, actually, about three games, three and a half games ahead of them. So there's a decent jump there. Arizona's 55 and 63. It's comfortably under 500, uh, but also sticking around in that middle ground area, especially because they got a, a strong bit of starting pitching early in the season that has kind of launched them into mediocrity. Sure. Uh, <laughs> Texas. Wow. Texas, 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 with all the excitement around them, went and signed a couple of superstar infielders to some big contracts. Those guys have been okay, but arguably not really superstars. And they didn't really get their pitching right. You know, signed John Gray to be their opening day starter. He's probably been better than most people, even maybe than I would have expected in, in some degrees. He's also been injured, which we know is a thing with him. But they remain comfortably under 500 at 53 and 65 and in 11th place in the reverse standings. Ahead of them in 10th place in the reverse standings are the Miami Marlins at a 52 and 66 record. They've been, again, one of those teams that I feel like people love to get high on when they make a little run, like when they made the postseason in 2020, which was a totally Mickey Mouse year, but they, they had a good stretch and they made a couple of moves and people liked some of the smart decision-making or whatever and forgot that they just weren't a good enough team to sustainably win anything. And they're right back where they should be. At number nine in the reverse standings are the Los Angeles Angels. I've talked about this before, but really just the symbol of how in baseball a, a superstar doesn't necessarily mean anything for you. In fact, they've got the two best players in baseball. Yes, I know what Aaron Judge is doing this year, but I mean, if you take the general three-year average principle, right, of who's the best guy generally going right now, not going right this second, they've got the two best players in baseball do the Angels in Mike Trout and Shohei Otani and can't even come close to sniffing the postseason and haven't for years and years and years. Very frustrating situation uh, for those guys and for whatever Angels fans there truly are. Uh, ahead of them, the Chicago Cubs. Again, ahead in the reverse standings or behind them in the actual standings uh, by just a game. I'm sorry, by just a half game. Chicago Cubs are at 50 and 67 Again, comfortably, comfortably under, but they're doing the tank thing again, uh, you know, after not signing Bryant back, and you remember who got him, and uh, all these other things they've been doing since they've been tearing that team apart, trading off Rizzo, all that stuff. So they're being bad on purpose, but apparently not quite as bad uh, as they would like. That's one of the problems, 
is you can't force guys to lose on purpose. You just kind of have to field a, a bad team, but you can't guarantee that they're going to lose. That's one of the issues with tanking. Uh, the Rockies then, as I said, slot in right there at seventh place in the reverse standings. They've got a half game on the Cubs. So they're, they're basically in a virtual tie with the Cubs right now for the seventh and or eighth pick in the draft. They've got a little ways to go uh, if they want to catch Kansas City, Cincinnati, and Pittsburgh. There's a little bit of a jump there. Four, five, and six, Kansas City, Cincinnati, and Pittsburgh. I, I did that backwards. So four, five, and six in order is Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, and Kansas City. Uh, they're all at eight and uh, seven games back. Uh, Pittsburgh is of the first overall pick. So the Rockies need to catch them. Again, it's in the reverse. So they need to lose plus three games uh, to get into that mix. Uh, So that's going to be an interesting one down the stretch. The Rockies have a very difficult schedule. Uh, They just got red-weddinged by the St. Louis Cardinals, and there's a lot of games coming up against the Padres and the Dodgers, and teams are going to be fighting for some postseason positioning. So... Uh, uh, Milwaukee's going to be in there fighting for their spot. They're the the team that's right just outside of the postseason. So, you know, they're going to be fighting for it. Going to be really, really interesting to see uh, how that all plays out. Very unlikely that the Rockies are able to sneak into the top three, though. Uh, Washington has a very comfortable very comfortable lead with the worst record in baseball at 40 and 80. My goodness, that's just atrocious. Uh, it's a 333 winning percentage. They've got a three and a half game lead, if we want to call it that. Again, in the reverse standings over Oakland. Uh, so, uh, again, it's almost four games, depending on how today plays out. Uh, could be four games. Uh, separation between Washington and Oakland for the first overall pick. Oakland with a 43 and 76 record, uh, and they've got a couple of games on Detroit, who's 45 and 75. But they're two games ahead of Pittsburgh. So the Rockies would have to do a whole lot of losing to get into the top three, and some of those teams might even have to go on on a little bit of run. Now we know this team can lose. We know this team is capable of losing some baseball games, and boy, they have been losing with style lately. Losing in grand fashion. You know what they say, it's not worth losing if you can't lose big. And they, they've been taking that to heart as of late. So let's see if they can get their backs into it and uh, uh, really lose a couple here. It would be, again, nice, and to get back into the philosophical part of it and and conclude there you know you do this by resting anyone who's hurt playing anybody who's on the cusp giving more and more opportunities just giving all the opportunities to Montero and Bernard and Jake Bird and Ryan Feltner and you know, call up Ezekiel Tovar and see what happens. Now, there's no guarantee. Again, those guys might play well and actually improve, you know, and you end up falling back to the, the 10th pick or whatever. All of that's entirely possible. But, you know, you don't go out and try to lose baseball games. That's not what you should do. You don't hand the ball to your starting pitcher and say, hey, make sure to put it over the plate today, right? That that would be garbage. And no one no one actually does that or no one should be doing that. You know, but you can 
you can give an inordinate amount of time to the inexperienced ball players, and maybe it turns out for you in the other direction, and that's great. And if you end up losing a whole bunch of games and you, you gain some spots in the draft, you know, it'd be nice to see the Rockies maybe get to that fourth spot. That's probably the best achievable position for them realistically. Again, without some wild things happening, Washington would have to go on quite the run. Uh, the Rockies are 11 games better than Washington. And so they're listed with about a 5.5% chance of uh, getting that top pick. So not, not, not very likely, but they could improve their draft position with some strategic losing, uh, but they could also just improve their future by playing the young guys anyway. So... Yep, that's my take on it for today. We took a look at the reverse standings. Uh, <laughs> I'll get back into more uh, individual player analysis and, and looking at some of the things for the future. i got to check in on some of the minor leagues, too. You, it's, you're overdue for a minor league report. Might hit that up tomorrow and then get into some individual major league player analysis. But appreciate you all for listening into this episode. Make sure you're checking out all of the episodes, all of the episodes and all of the podcasts here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. Make sure you're checking out all the written content at milehighsports.com. And otherwise, just continuing to be absolutely awesome out there. You know that I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.